On today's show, week eight in the SEC, not a huge slate, but we'll give you some things to watch for in this week's matchups. Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports is going to stop by to talk all things SEC with us, and we will go around the conference with tidbits, including an update on the Georgia quarterback situation, some other key injuries from a few other schools like Missouri. Locked on SEC starts now. You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It is an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. I am Chris Gordy, and thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Remember, Locked on SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. Let's jump into it. Plenty to discuss. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. And we start over in Athens as Georgia fans, just like everybody else, we're starting to wonder who is going to be the quarterback for Georgia next week, the week after. Is JT Daniels coming back? Is he ever coming back? According to ESPN, Kirby Smart says he plans to play both quarterbacks. According to Chris Lowe, he says that uh, Kirby Smart said JT practiced Wednesday, did just about everything. He said he thought Wednesday was the first time since Vanderbilt that he could have said, man, he looks like he could play. He said, no, he's very rusty. And uh, later this week, we'll be able to get some more practices in, and he'll go through back-to-back throwing. Smart also says, who plays will depend on the opponent that they face. He said, I'm not sure we know who the better one is based on which game plan we have. There are teams we play that we have to be able to use the quarterback in the run game. Well, that's Stetson. There are teams we play as you have to get the ball out quick. And be really accurate, that's JT. But the first thing with JT is that he has got to be healthy. Daniels has been out for a month with that uh, dorsi lat dors muscle. Uh, not a doctor, but uh, more commonly referred to as that lat injury. So we'll see, man. But pretty crazy to think that George is going to play both guys moving forward, even when JT Daniels gets healthy. And obviously Stetson's got a skill set that helps. JT's the better player. But sounds like they're going to play both of them. Uh, another report from Georgia from 24-7 Sports. Running back Kelton, uh, Kendall Milton sounds like he is going to miss some time after suffering an injury in practice. He suffered a knee injury this week. They said it will not require surgery, but he is expected to miss at least two weeks. Milton is Georgia's third leading rusher behind Zamir White and James Cook. He has 49 carries for 243 yards and a touchdown. Look, the three-headed attack, I mean, it... Really, four or five headed attack. They've got so many guys back there in the backfield that can contribute for Georgia. But uh, look, they'll miss Milton, but they should be just fine with uh, Cook and White. Over at Alabama, head coach Nick Saban giving an update on his injured linebacker, Drew Sanders, for his status this weekend, the homecoming game, hosting Tennessee. Sanders was injured in the Ole Miss game. Most likely will not return until later in the season, according to Saban. Saban told... uh, the media, Drew Sanders, is probably very doubtful for this game, but we're hopeful that maybe with the bye week coming up, uh, he said it just depends, could be ready for the LSU game. 
the sophomore linebacker. He took the place of Chris Allen, who is out for the year. He's made a solid contribution to the Alabama defense. Before his injury, he had 20 tackles, 10 uh, solo, four quarterback hurries, and two pass breakups. Uh, Saban also said defensive lineman Byron Young has practiced and should be able to play this week against the Vols. Over at South Carolina, quarterback Zeb Noland is going to get the start this week and moving forward. Uh, they'll be playing South at Texas A&M this weekend. South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer announced on Tuesday Luke Doty is out for the season with a foot injury. Nolan, who started the first two games of the season, was asked how the offense has evolved since the start of the year. He said, I think we're going a lot faster than we did week one. We continue to go fast, play fast, but a controlled fast with a lot of great communication. Nolan also said he's gotten more used to being a player, uh, again, since he was a grad assistant and made that transition. Uh, he said the Gamecocks continue to improve with things like communication and substitutions every week. He said being a backup for the last few weeks allowed him to see the offense from a different perspective. So we'll see if Zeb Nolan is going to be able to get that Gamecock offense going, maybe get some more wins here down the stretch. Over at Auburn, head coach Brian Harson. Talking to the media this week, he was asked for an update on injured all-SEC linebacker Owen Papo. He said, I think he is ready to go. We need him. I think this is just a good time, at least, for him with the bye week this week to really give us a chance, not just with Owen, but with other guys, too. Hopefully, they're all able to get back and playing. Auburn will return to action at home against Ole Miss on October 30th. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party could be a little bit smaller this year. According to a Jacksonville report, the City Council of Jacksonville is considering getting rid of some temporary seating at TIAA Bank Field. About 6,000 seats in the north end zone expected to be removed. That's ahead of the Georgia-Florida game coming up on October 30th. It would cost the city almost $800,000, according to the report. They will vote on the plan on Tuesday, and if it passes, those temporary seats will be turned into premium seating. And the new capacity for the game would be 76000 and the city would have to pay each school $400,000 while the temporary seating would be moved to another part of the stadium. Even if there will be fewer fans, it's going to be a lot more than where attendance last year during the COVID year. The uh, world's largest outdoor cocktail party was just 19,000 fans. Over at Arkansas, news broke a couple days ago that their star safety, Jalen Catalan, will be out for the remainder of the season due to a shoulder injury. This week, talking with the media, Razorbacks head coach Sam Pittman said that Catalan had undergone surgery uh, and his procedure was a success. Catalan recorded 46 tackles in six games of the season. He is eligible to enter next year's draft should he choose to do so. And Sam Pittman was asked, he said, look, my thought is he will come back, but you'd have to ask him. He would know better than me. Over at Missouri, they have announced three players are out with season-ending injuries. They announced yesterday they will be without the services of, def of rather offensive lineman Case Cook, DB Mason Pack, and D lineman Chris Turner. They have all suffered season-ending injuries. Not good for a team uh, already suffering on the defensive side of the ball, losing two defenders. The Mizzou defense dead last in the SEC and ranked dead last in the country in total defense, giving up an average of... 21, or rather a total of 21 touchdowns on the game, an average of 286 rush yards per game. Losing Cook, also not good for the Mizzou offense, as uh, Case Cook was a guy protecting quarterback Connor Bazelak there. Mizzou's got a bye week this week. They'll get Vanderbilt next week. Over in Florida, Dan Mullen working on preparation for Georgia this week as the Gators are off. 
Mullen was asked about his quarterback situation and asked if Emory Jones was still the starter and how he plans to manage reps with him and Anthony Richardson. Mullen said, look, we're really fortunate. We have two really good quarterbacks here. I see us continuing down that path like everything. We'll evaluate just like at every spot of the ball. we got experience and we're fortunate to have two guys who are talented on the field. Over at Kentucky, after missing last Saturday's game against Georgia, wide receiver Josh Ali looks like he may be available to play in their next game against Mississippi State in two weeks. According to Mark Stoops, he said Ali was moving around with the trainers during Tuesday's practice, and he's been uh, Kentucky's number two wide receiver behind number one, Wandale Robinson. They obviously felt his absence last week in the loss to Georgia. And lastly, Desmond Howard asked about uh, what LSU should be looking for for their next head coach. He said, I think you're going to have to hire someone with a very strong personality. Everybody thinks that their program is special, but this is a very unique type of program in Baton Rouge. That this next head coach is going to have to bring in a tremendous supporting cast of assistant coaches so they can develop all that talent they have at LSU. And there you have it. That is around the conference. Thanks again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports. Don't want to miss that. This episode of Locked on SEC is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It was a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. It's a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge, and it's a place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Think back to when you were a kid, how many times either you or friends had birthday parties there. McDonald's has always been a part of our lives, so head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say maybe a locked-on SEC watch party? Head on over to McDonald's. You know what they got. Always fun after uh, practices, games, whatever it is, McDonald's has it for you. And don't forget, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Run along here, Locked On SEC. And always fun to catch up with our buddy Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Sports. And he joins us now, as he does every week, talking all things SEC. Lynn, what a crazy week it was in the SEC, so many storylines, so many things happening. Uh, how are you, my friend? Yeah, hey guys. Yeah, doing doing great. The uh, this was a, a week for the SEC that had too many too many big stories. You know, I, I was not going to what I what I wrote uh, in the column uh, was not what I was going to write uh, mid afternoon on on Saturday, and then uh, you know we saw what happened. Of course, LSU beating Florida. Um, then what happened at uh, Tennessee, I, I, you couldn't ignore that. That's the elephant in the room of what happened really in the whole field of college football in the country, and it's so big that it uh, overshadowed 
what I normally would have written about then is uh, the uh, termination, basically, of, uh, of Ed Orseron. And then, with what's happened on the field, you've got two kind of un- unlikely circumstances. Uh, Kentucky, with, uh, with other teams losing, uh, Kentucky has established itself really as the number two team in the East, which nobody would have guessed to start with. Uh, and uh, the two teams in the West that uh, have their own destiny are Alabama and Auburn. And Auburn is just quietly, they're number 18 or 19 in the country, and nobody's given any attention. Uh, they've got a one-possession loss at Penn State on its flight-out day, and they lost to the number one team in the country. I, I know that uh, Auburn and Georgia have both won two SEC games on the road. I don't know if, if other teams have or not. I hadn't had time to really study that. But Auburn's got a road win at LSU and a road win at Arkansas that nobody thought they'd get because they were underdogs in both of them. And now they, you know, everybody that's uh, it's in the past, they, they play. And you would say, yeah, but they got Alabama. And that's very true. And Alabama looks really, really good. But they have shown they can lose. Uh, the perception is not reality when those two teams play. The, uh, they're playing at Auburn, and uh, Auburn's won three out of the last four played at Auburn. They've won six out of the last ten played at Auburn. And since 2000, in this two, two decades, when perception would be that Alabama's been the dominant program in the country over everybody, Auburn's won 11 and Alabama's won 10. So uh, it's not an inconceivable thing that Auburn could win out. Now, with that being said, Ole Miss absolutely could beat Auburn. Texas A&M absolutely could beat Auburn. But so you've got a lot of different stories developing. The Tennessee situation, the LSU situation, <laughs> uh, some people starting to get uh, cold on Dan Mullen at Florida, and then um, and then the, the way their conference races are turning out. So um, a lot going on in Southeastern Conference football right now. No doubt, Lynn. Um, how surprised were you – by the uh, LSU decision to let Coach Ed Ogeron go, and um, you know they're still letting him finish out the season. What are you hearing in your mind that went down behind the scenes out there in Baton Rouge? Well, all right, let me just say this. You know, I don't, I don't like to get into the gossip stuff. Um, I was with I was with someone this past Saturday that, that knows about the inside of the program, and um, you know I write for uh, for Tiger Rag Magazine. Some I do. Uh, uh, football and basketball wrap-ups for them. I'm on the radio with Jeff Palermo and uh, Ron Higgins, the editor of uh, Tiger Rag Magazine, uh, from time to time. And I've got some, some good connections with LSU. Um, and I was told uh, a number of weeks ago that uh, the time had come for Coach O to go. Uh, and when I started questioning, they said, just trust us. Uh, this, it's time that he needs to, that he needs to go on. Um, and at that time, I questioned and said, well, is it because he's on the path that Gene Chizik had at Auburn? Because if you remember, Chizik uh, had a good year in 2009. 2010, they go undefeated with Cam Newton, win the Heisman Trophy, win the national championship. They have a decent year in 2011, but 2012, two years after the championship, they fall apart, they win three or four ball games, and he gets fired. And it was said to me, the path is similar, but the reasons won't be the same. Uh, some of the reasons why Coach O would probably be released uh, Gene Chizik did not that, – that was not a situation with Gene Chizik. So there were some things, uh, apparently some that you've read in the media that, that might have some truth to them. Uh, also the trend, I think, since, since they went undefeated and won the championship, um, 
they're like nine and eight or something. I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but they're barely winning half their games. And so I think it's the trend, maybe kind of a lack of discipline, uh, and then some of the off the field things. Uh, you know, and LSU right now is not in a good position overall. Its football program is under uh, NCAA scrutiny. Its basketball program is under NCAA scrutiny. A lot of folks are wondering why their basketball coach still has his job and they're not on probation. And then you've got what's happening on the field in football. So um, these, these aren't the best of times in Baton Rouge right now, and, and they're obviously not in Knoxville, and they're moving in that direction in Gainesville. Lynn, uh, halfway through the season, and it doesn't feel like uh, anyone has really grabbed hole or grabbed the bull by the horns when it comes to the Heisman race. Kind of looks like Matt Corral and Bryce Young are, are up there, but what do you make of where we currently are with the, uh, with the Heisman race? Well, I don't get a vote. In fact, nobody on Lindy's staff gets a vote, and that's a, that's a topic for another discussion. Why we get by, I get a vote in the Doak Walker, I get a vote in the Blitnikoff, I get a vote in National Coach of the Year. Um, you know, and that, but uh, nobody on our staff's ever had a Heisman vote. With that being said, I'd vote for Matt Corral. Uh, I think he's the best, I think he's the best uh, offensive player in the country. He, he does remind me of Johnny Manziel. He reminds me of Nick Marshall that played for Auburn a few years ago. And you could say, well, how about a couple of other guys? But he doesn't have the surrounding cast. Let's say Bryce Young for Alabama. Uh, Matt Corral doesn't have the surrounding cast that Alabama's got. Uh, there are a couple of other guys that are having, having really good years, but they don't have the cast that Ole Miss got. And I, I know we got some Ole Miss fans following the audience. I'm not trying to dish them. They're having a good year, uh, and they very well could, could win some more big ball games. Um, but with, but with that being said, uh, they don't have the, the lineup of four-star and five-star players that uh, uh, Alabama and LSU and Georgia and Auburn, that they get every year in their recruiting. So for, for, for what Matt Corral has done, he had 430 or something like that, 430 yards by himself last week. He threw for 250 and two touchdowns. He ran for 197 and two touchdowns. And this is in a back-and-forth game in that hostile environment at Knoxville. And, uh, and he all basically single-handedly beat Tennessee himself. Um, and, he's, and it's that way all the time. So I, I, would, I would give it to Matt Corral. And, I, you know, right, but you know, you're not voting yet. I mean, so toward the end of the year, let's see what happens. You could have somebody just really step forward and put themselves out ahead of everybody else. But right now, uh, my vote would go for Corral from Ole Miss. Last Last thing, Lynn, what are your thoughts on how this season is going to play out at the end as far as the college football playoff goes? Will we get multiple uh, SEC teams into the playoff, just in your mind, and how this thing is shaping up? Well, I can tell you that I, I won't make SEC people happy, but, but if, if a SEC team with a loss gets into that playoff over – an undefeated conference champion from another league. Uh, I'm a pro-SEC guy, and, and most everything that I do is pro-SEC, but I'm going to come out and say what needs to be said. Um, the, it's high time, and it's the reason they need the eight or 12 columns to playoff. But, hey, I've, I've, I, I deal with some Oklahoma State people. I've covered a game at Kansas State. Both of those guys still remember when they had the same record as Alabama and felt like their resume was stronger, but Alabama was jumped to go ahead of them in the uh, in the championship. Uh, I, I talked to people, and you know, and of course, I, y'all talk to folks everywhere too. But we're we're nationwide. We talk to people around the country, and uh, they didn't care for the fact 
that you've had uh, a couple of times when two SEC teams are playing for the national championship uh, in the final game and champions from their other conferences didn't even get a mention. And it's, um, you know, if, if, there's, if there are teams with one loss only, then give it to an SEC team that's just got one loss. And there, hey, there aren't many of them left. You've got Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the, uh, in the Big 12. Uh, you've got uh, Michigan, Michigan State in the, uh, in the Big 10. Uh, you've got Cincinnati uh, that I still put right up there with the rest of them. I, 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 if you're going to have the system, you need to play with the system. You don't need to let politics and popularity uh, dictate something. If you do, then don't have the rules. Eliminate the rules if you're not going to go by them. Uh, if you've got if you've got five power five teams, all of whom think they should be treated equally, and they should be, and you don't have but four chairs, then it's it's college football musical chairs. We've talked about this on the air before, and I've written columns about it. And it's it's time that it be done fairly. And uh, if if Alabama were to run the rest of the table, which means they beat Auburn, which they usually don't do in Auburn, and then they beat Georgia, which I'm not sure I see anybody doing. Then, if Alabama and Georgia both have one loss, Alabama's beating Georgia head-to-head, and you don't have uh, four other undefeated teams, which it looks to me like you would not. Because Oklahoma and Oklahoma State got to play each other. Michigan and Michigan State got to play each other. And Cincinnati, theoretically, SMU's about to beat Cincinnati. SMU's a good team. Uh, They're undefeated. Uh, But all things being equal, a one-loss team does not need to go into the playoffs over an undefeated team from a decent conference. And I may be the only guy in the country that feels that way, but uh, I think it's time that the, that the college football playoffs be done fairly and that, uh, that that teams get an equal chance according to what they thought the rules were when they made up the rules in the first place. Lane, great stuff as always, man. Uh, we'll do it again next week. All right, guys. Talk to you all soon. All right, there he is, Lynn Scarborough of Lindy Sports. Always good to talk all things SEC football with him. Uh, When we return, we will get into some of the picks for this weekend, week eight of the SEC. Not the greatest slates, but we'll give you our picks. And thank you guys for making SEC, uh, Locked on SEC, your first listen every day. Need to remind you guys about our friends over at Bet Online. They are back and better than ever. A new website, new interface. Just in time for the start of basketball season. Just had the NBA start. We're about to have college basketball start. They got more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Uh, BetOnline remains your number one spot for all things college football, college basketball, NBA, NFL, whatever it is. Head on over to their website. You could do so on your mobile device. You could sign up today. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You receive that bonus from basketball, football, baseball, even boxing and UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. They have got it for you at betaline.ag. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for this season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, it is where the game starts. Always good to tell you about our buddies over at Built Bar. Still, the best-tasting protein bar ever. If you have not tried a Built Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. you got to try one of the amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars, you ever got one from your local, you know, whatever shop that you go to after you work out? They're very chalky. They're very waxy. Uh, A lot of them just plain hard to choke down or chew. They're gross. Built Bar is soft 
It is covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something very different. It is more of an experience, one that you will enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're just eating a candy bar. Many of them taste just like a candy bar. Built Bars are low in carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, and high in protein. All the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. So many flavors. Another great thing about Built Bar, there are so many mouth-watering flavors from the coconut, the raspberry, and the mid-brownie. My favorite, coconut almond, all of them. Go check them out. This month, Built Bar is coming out with new limited time uh, flavors every three to four days. So just go check their website, BuiltBar.com. You don't want to miss out. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use our promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off over at BuiltBar.com. Roll along here, locked on SEC. We got a lot we got to get into. It is week eight in the SEC. It is not the greatest slate, folks. We got five teams in the conference all off this weekend, but uh, there are still five games being played. So let's jump into it. We'll give you the betting lines according to betterline.ag. And we start off with Georgia, Florida, Missouri, Auburn, Kentucky, all off this weekend. So we start. Arkansas Pine Bluff is at Arkansas. There is no betting line on this one. All I'll really say is Arkansas really needs to snap this three-game losing streak they're on. They started the season 4-0. They're now 4-3. Get back in the win column. Get one game closer being bowl eligible. It's a brutal schedule, but Arkansas should handle their business against Arkansas Pine Bluff. All right, let's jump into some of the SEC games. A lot of these are big point spreads. We'll start with the biggest or some of the bigger ones, Missouri, uh, Mississippi State is at Vandy. Vandy is a 20-and-a-half point home underdog. We know Will Rogers was banged up earlier uh, this week, having a shoulder issue. Sounds like he should be okay. Look, Mike Leach and the air raid offense, I think they're really good. The Vandy defense, some people have been talking about this week, Mike Leach included. I just think Mississippi State's going to run away with this one. I see them winning something like 45-10, something like that. I think Mississippi State covers the 20 and a half. Later on, you got South Carolina is at Texas A&M. The Aggies have looked so much better the last couple weeks. Zach Calzada looks good. The run game is, is working. And now it's the Zeb Nolan show at South Carolina. Luke Doty done for the season. A&M is a 19 and a half point home favorite. I think they covered. I think the Aggies are rolling that right now the way they run the ball. I think they're going to run it all over South Carolina. I think maybe close at the half. I think the second half, the Aggies pull away, and they cover the 19-and-a-half. The two big games of the weekend, it is the rivalry. The third Saturday in October, it is Tennessee at Alabama. 14 straight, the Tide have won against the Vols. What rivalry? Alabama is a 25-point home favorite. Look, if this game were in Knoxville, I would say maybe the Vols could keep it close for a while. They played so much better in recent weeks, but they're banged up from Hendon Hooker to Tyon Evans. Um, I think Tennessee will score some points, but I think they'll come later in the game when Alabama has already put the game away. Give me Alabama minus a 25. I know it's a lot of points. Tennessee, you've been much improved this year, just not improved enough to hang or beat Alabama. And lastly, what might be the most entertaining game of the weekend is LSU at Ole Miss. In Oxford, Ole Miss is a nine-point home favorite. LSU firing Coach O this past week, but announcing he's going to stick it out. 
and stay coaching the team the rest of the year. It's a weird, weird situation because uh, Lane Kiffin and Coach O are good friends. Maybe Lane Kiffin doesn't want to embarrass his buddy. Maybe Coach O knows his trick or two and says, you know, what do I have to lose? Let's try to beat him. Look, you just had a, a nice chess bumping win over Florida last week as a double-digit underdog in Baton Rouge. Nobody saw that coming. Maybe LSU can play a little bit more inspired football this week. Keep it close with Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss wins, but I'd watch that line. If it gets up to 9.5, maybe even 10 at Battle Line, I would take LSU plus those points. That's a lot of points. I don't think LSU will win the game, though. I'm taking Ole Miss. It's Eli Manning Day. They're going to be retiring Eli Manning's jersey. And, oh, by the way, guess who's in the in the stands? Arch Manning uh, going to watch Uncle Eli get honored and maybe taking a recruiting pitch or two from Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels. We'll see. Look, it's not a dud of a weekend. If you don't make it a dud of the weekend, head on over to betonline.ag. You can uh, make the games interesting. That's why we do these betting lines. Make what looks on paper like a crappy game an interesting one over at betonline.ag. Thank you guys so much for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen. We've got some great uh, other podcasts across the Locked On Podcast Network covering a good majority of the SEC schools. Locked On LSU with Matt Moscona. Locked On Bama with Luke Robinson. Locked On uh, Aggies with Cole Thompson. Bunch of great podcasts for you to go check out. Appreciate you guys for listening, subscribing. And uh, we'll talk to you guys on Monday, reacting to the weekend that was SEC Week 8. Talk to you guys then.